Greetings, heroes, and thank you for answering the Summoner's Call. Presented by the Gamers Inn, this is a podcast for all fans of Fire Emblem Heroes and the Fire Emblem franchise. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me today, as always, my co-host, Eddie. How's it going, Eddie? Not too bad. Been a couple of crazy weeks, because, you know, after we recorded last, we got a bit of stuff for the new game coming out, as well as other crazy things suddenly popping up. It's been a busy week. We did take last week off, but we are. Did we, did we take? What was last week? Was last week Easter? Is that why we were off? Is that why? Like that feels uh, like forever ago. Kind of, sort of Easter. I had some childhood friends in town. Uh, essentially, childhood friend because my mom was good friends with their mom, but still, kind of childhood friends. And you were traveling home from somewhere, and you probably would have gotten back in time but you would have been exhausted so we decided it was best to just go ahead and skip it was easter holiday yeah and it's funny enough all our plans got canceled because ashley and i were sick and so we were we were still unable to record but uh we were sick and then we we got uninvited from all of our easter stuff so um yeah happy happy easter it was Easter Monday, so it's it wasn't it wasn't the end of the world. But we are back this week to talk about uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. We gotta we gotta catch up on a bunch of fun stuff. Um, but we're gonna kick things off with the banners. We have the Weekly Revival uh, forty seven banner and the Weekly Revival nineteen banner running right now. We have the start of it all special heroes revival going to the 29th. Unlikely friends going until the sixth of May. New Heroes and Ascended Ishtar, which we're going to talk about today, going into the 9th. Year 1 through 5, CYL Hero Fest, going until the 12th. And that's part of the Golden Week celebrations that are ongoing. Um, and uh, I think I think that was primarily quest rewards and free summon tickets, am I right? I, I, we didn't have it in the notes. It's still ongoing. Primarily, there's some uh, special bundles, as there always are, and... Um, login bonuses, but I think the majority of it is the Hero Fests and a bunch of quests with a variety of what? Oh, wait, no, just swords. <laughs> yeah. Is it just, it's an all swords quest line, is it not? Yeah, I was looking at the post they put in, you know, build your teams, and then I look at the quests to get all the uh, free tickets for the Hero Fest with sword, with sword, with sword, with sword. Kill this type of unit with sword, with sword, with sword. So it's like, no, don't build your best team. Just build your best all sword team. Yep, four swords and you're ready to go. Uh, so yep. yeah, it's uh, so there's that's ongoing right now. And um, also, I think that was just announced. There's a resp- uh, the next resplendent hero, which is Faye. Uh, Faye will be available yes. after. Uh... That's with a Y E, not a E H. A Y E. Yeah, they're not adding. You know, it's like man, they skipped uh, the normal. Owl hero, and they're just going straight to the resplendent owl. Like, man, that's so premium. Uh, no, it is um, the Shadows of Valencia. Yes. Saber came in today, and his Jotunheimer uh, outfit looks real good on him. I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And they announced Faye, and I think I uh, can't remember exactly what she was. If she was, I think she was Emblian, but it actually looks pretty good on her as well. I thought so. Yeah, it looks really good. Really good art. Yeah. Yeah, they did a good job. Now, now we did that a bit out of order because, you know, we forgot to put it in our notes, but... <laughs> yeah, that's my fault. We did do some summoning while also during the time off. 
Uh, with all those banners that have been going on the past week, I did get a Young Merrick off of the Start of It All Re- Revival banner. Uh, but, of course, before that, I did dip into the Ishtar banner with a goal of Ishtar primarily. Uh, the plan was to be light on the other colors because I don't really know them, them being genealogy. Uh, but I uh, was doing some summoning on them early to speed my way up to the spark. And time proves she doesn't play games as I got her in my first frame. Uh, she wasn't my free summon, but she was sitting there waiting. On another ring along the way, I did get a four-star Larcy's brother. Uh, and then eventually sparked for Ishtar. In trying to clear out the pity raid, I ended up getting Arthur, proving once again apparently the best way for me to get all the units on a banner is to not really care or want them. Uh, on a whim, I decided to try my luck for a few more rings in hope of an Ishtar with a boon, uh, and was successful. I also, along the way up to the spark, I did get an Annette pity break, and Caden, um, I think he's technically a four-star boost, so not quite a pity break. but. And those those were obviously on rings because I wasn't summoning Arthur much, but those were on rings without uh, blue. Right, right. Well, that's good. It sounds like you had a, a good haul over the last two weeks. Uh, yep. For me, I got a off a random banner. I don't know which one specifically, but I got a five star male Chris, which was new to me. Um, I also got uh, off the ascended Ishtar banner. I as well was going just trying to summon for Ishtar to get the the new Ascended hero, and I didn't have to spark. I think I got her about halfway through, so I kind of stopped there. And uh, as I was slowly making my way through all of the free summon tickets for the CYL Hero Fest banners, I got a five-star Pent, which was also new for me. So, Yep, and he's, yeah. he was a pity break, wasn't he? He wasn't actually a focus on any of them, was he? no. Pent's not that popular. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. But depends on who you ask. But yeah, he's a bit down there. Yeah, he is. He is not featured on those banners, but he decided to show up. He thought, "Oh well, maybe CYL seven. You never know." He's starting the campaign <laughs> early. Um, well. So, yeah. But uh, I, I again, like, uh, I was happy to get Ascended Ishtar and you know pump the brakes on on summoning. So. Uh, we'll see what the Mythic Hero brings us uh, next week, but that's sort of where I'm at right now. Okay. Well, uh, before we get to next week, we have a handful of events happening. We got a new skills banner for dual skills launching in the 26th, followed a few days later by our next Mythic Hero and all the associated Mystic, Mythic Battles uh, coming on the 28th. Sonya gets a Grand Hero Battle Revival on the 29th, and the 30th brings a login bonus for the Voting Gauntlet, that'll be starting up on the 4th of May. Uh, the week winds down on the 1st with a new round of Hero's Journey. So, not too busy a week, but you know, we do still have all that uh, Golden Week stuff going on. Very true. Uh, for our main uh, topic of uh, Fire Emblem Heroes this week, as we already went over the, uh, the missing pieces of the next Resplendent Hero and uh, the Golden Week celebrations that are ongoing... Uh, We have New Heroes and Ascended Ishtar banner running right now, continuing with the Fire Emblem games that have yet to make it out of Japan. Remakes, please. We have a new set of heroes from Genealogy of the Holy War to go over this week, including a new Ascended hero, but uh, more on that a little later, because we're going to start with Tyne, Rumbling Thunder. We kick things off with Tyne, who is a mage who's descended from the Crusader Thread. She's also the daughter of 
tail to you? Am I am I losing sight of that? Does that sound right to you? Tail to you? That's how I've always pronounced it. I mean, it's you know she's already in the game as we see during the forging bonds. Yeah. yeah. Um, a member of Granvale's House Frage. Tyne is a colorless tome infantry hero wielding Thunderer Tome, which accelerates special trigger cooldown count minus one. At the start of turns one through three, or if unit's HP is less than 100% at start of turn, grants special cooldown count minus one to unit. During turns one through three, uh, if unit's HP is less than 100% at start of combat, grants attack slash speed plus six to unit during combat. And also, if special triggers, excluding area of effect specials, deals plus seven damage and neutralizes, reduces damage by X percent effects from non-special skills. She has a new skill in the C-slot called Blue Feud 3, where during combat, dis- uh, disables skills of all blue foes, excluding foe in combat. If in combat against a blue foe, disable skills of all foes, excluding foe in combat, and inflicts attack slash speed slash defense slash resistance minus four on foe during combat. Rounding out her kit is Draconic Aura as a special, Fury 4 in the A slot, and Null Follow-Up 3 in the B slot. So there you go. You've got uh, TL2's daughter. Uh, as you said, a great forging bonds as we got to explore more of how their family uh, works. Uh, I, it's been a while, so I don't really remember much about it, but Essentially, Tyne's Forging Bonds was about her being afraid to speak to her mother because of what happened in in the world that they come from, you know? So they're afraid of what might happen to their mother if they speak to her and stuff. But, you know, turned out pretty nice from what I saw. And just a quick note, um, the start of combat check also does either or, whether it's turns one through three or the health is less than 100%. The R vanished there, so it sounded like you were saying both of those conditions had to be met. Oh yeah, that was uh, I. I know I thought it was a bullet, but it was a missing R. Uh, yeah, I, I realized the um, you know, the start of the turn one was either or, so I went, went pulled her up on my game and double checked, and it's either or for that one as well. So no, it's interesting. Good. Yep. Uh, but the other one, one of the other ones coming is Arthur, Furious Mage. Arthur is the son of Teltu and brother of Tyne, was separated from them while young, missing the treatment his uh, family received from Hilda. Having found his sister, he joins Heroes as a Green Tome Infantry Unit. He wields Grand Vulture Plus, which, when he is not adjacent to an ally, uh, inflicts a debuff on foes of 5 plus any current penalty on them, uh, on top of the current penalty on their attack and res during combat, uh, each status calculated independently. He has a new menace skill. Apparently, I accidentally typed Mance initially. Uh, called Speed Res Menace, which at the start of turn, if he is within four spaces of a foe, it inflicts the nearest foes with Speed Res minus six through their next action, and gives him Speed Res plus six for the turn. He has no other new skills, but does come with Glimmer and Tier Four Attack Speed Ideal. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we got uh, we got Tyne's brother here. Um, gotta say that, uh, that Hilda's a real piece of work. I mean, we'll get to her at the, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the, at uh, the end of the segment, but just, just a tiny bit different from the Hilda that is more well known. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Like again, it's stories like we're seeing here in the way these these characters interact with each other. It's you really do feel like you're missing something by having not had the chance to play this game uh, as part of this franchise because it it feels like classic Fire Emblem. Like the stories they're telling are classic, very classic Fire Emblem type stuff. And um, yeah, I wonder. We always wonder if we'll get a remake. Um, I think we're due up for a remake or remaster from Fire Emblem very soon. Um, but when that happens or what it'll be, I don't know. I'm hoping the reason it's been so silent is because they're working on genealogy and they've just had trouble on figuring out how to get it to work. But who knows? I still really want to see these games translated into English. You know? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, well, we have the next hero here, which is, and uh, you'll be proud of me, Eddie. I put a pronunciation in the notes so I wouldn't mess it up. But it's, it's not uh, that hard to pronounce. Larcy's brother. Simple <laughs> enough to pronounce. You heard me say it up earlier. You know. Yes, but knowing me, I'd be, I'd be like, I'll be like, oh, I'm, I know how to pronounce this. It's Larcy's brother, and then I'd mispronounce Larcy. Uh, but this is a Skahawk. Skahawk. Don't let. Don't let. I'm, uh, guessing, I'm guessing that their uh, their descendants is um, Gaelic, Irish, because there's a lot of letters that aren't being used or pronounced yeah. in his name. Well, in this case, the T is silent, my friend. I guess. Uh, so there you go. I I listened to the video a couple times where he says his name, and I I think they almost put that in there for me, and I I wrote it out here, but it's. Uh, <laughs> Oh, they put it in there for everyone because, <laughs> you know, the number of people will be going Scathic or Scathic or Scathic. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a couple in there that <laughs> that are definitely not his name. But uh, Skahawk Astra's Wake. Skahawk is the son of Era, uh, Princess of Isaac. He took up his sword and rose in defiance to reclaim his country from its invaders. A descendant of the Crusader Ud, or Ode. <laughs> I think they just pronounce it odd, but I could you could be right that it's Ode or Ud. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, Skahawk was given a harsh education in swordsmanship by his cousin Shannon. He also trained with his twin sister Larcy and his old friend Selif. Skahawk is a red sword infantry hero wielding spirited sword plus. If bonus is active on unit, grants attack slash defense plus four and special cooldown charge plus one per foe's attack during combat. Only highest value applied does not stack. Special cooldown charge granted even if foe's attack deals zero damage. Being the four-star hero on the banner, he has no new skills, but his kit is rounded out by Astra as a special attack slash defense ideal four in the A slot, and odd defense wave three in the C slot. Larcy's uh, brother almost said sister larcy's brother <laughs> well that's one other way to mess it up yeah well i found every possible way to mess it up uh that's that's what i do here <laughs> but uh yeah skahawk's in the game um again like when larcy is added i had no idea who that was and and you introducing skahawk as larcy's brother i'm like who i don't know who that is but He's here. Mean, when I first heard it mentioned like that, I was like, wait, what, really? <laughs> so, you know, but. But he's here. He's in the game. Uh, so you've got 
those two those two siblings now in the game but like the big addition for this banner is the ascended hero which is uh which is ishtar we might as well get to her ishtar echoing thunder a symbol of poor choices in love although i mean her lover did love her back but he was doing terrible things and the horrible things it can lead you to do ishtar gets an ascended version here as a blue tome infantry unit she wields thunder's mjolnir which boosts her special trigger and at the start of combat if she has a quarter of her health or more she gets attack speed plus six and neutralizes effects that boost her foe's special or hinder her special also if she initiates combat and her speed is at least 10 more than her foe's speed she attacks twice while she has no new skill she does come with luna tier four life and death lull speed res and times pulse so ishtar comes here uh, she has a interesting forging bonds herself She's on the hunt for Julius, but apparently Julius has made himself scarce. Yeah. Uh, now, Julius is her husband, right? Is that what it is? Um, Reading through, it doesn't look like they ever get married, but they were in love, and he did truly love her back, it seems. But, you know, she didn't agree with the child hunts and all the other horrendous things he started doing after receiving the Book of Loptus. Ah. Uh. Okay. But, you know, according to it, his love never changed for her. Um, so. Hmm. Yeah. You know. It's uh it's an interesting like it seems like a character that is sort of set up as like a I I could be wrong, but a good person stuck in a bad a very terrible situation. She's a good person without the in whether it's because of her love for Julius or lack of the courage to stand up to her mother and the horrible things both of them do. She lets terrible people get away with a lot of things that she really should stand up for. Oh. Uh, she helps Arvis uh, free children at points, but, you know, never directly defies Hilda or, you know, she doesn't like the treatment Hilda gives to Tiltu and Tyne, but doesn't stop it. She doesn't agree with the horrible things that Julius is doing or telling her to do, but doesn't turn against him or stop it. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So definitely, uh, a very complicated character, a villain that you can have some sympathy for, but she does not stand up against the horrible things that she is part of. Yeah. Closest she gets to is, um, helping Arvis free some of the children kidnapped in the child hunts so right. well uh let's take a look at her very terrible mother who is who is not conflicted this is a very hilda's a bad person oh, yeah. but uh hilda queen of frage hilda is a member of Jugdral's house velt homer descendants of the magic wielding crusader jalar uh she married the reigning duke of frage who ruled the granvel's empire's territory in northern thracia and later gave birth to two children hilda's response to granvel's liberation army led by seleth was cold-blooded to say the least not even tail to her sister-in-law escaped her cruelty hilda is a red tome infantry unit wielding fiery uh balgone balgonone uh at first glance it looks like bologna but it's not it's yeah. balgonone that that sounds right <laughs> which uh grants... i think i usually say bolgonone but ball bolgonone ball bulg Bol- either way bolgonone bolgonone it's not bologna we've we've come to the yes. agreement it's definitely not bologna 
uh, or baloney, depending on <laughs> another pronunciation. Anyways, we're getting off topic here. Uh, fiery Bolganone, which grants resistance plus three. At start of turn, if unit is within four spaces of a foe, grants dominance to unit and inflicts attack slash resistance minus six on nearest foes through their next actions. If unit initiates combat or is not adjacent to an ally, grants attack slash resistance plus six to unit during combat. Um, I have the effect here for dominance, which is unit deals additional damage equal to total penalties on foe for one turn. No new skills since this is the Grand Hero Battle Unit of the banner, but rounding out her kit is Glacies as a special attack slash resistance ideal 3 in the A slot, and Rouse attack slash resistance 3 in the C slot. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, she seems so nice and friendly in three houses. Guess, it shows, guess this goes to show you never know a character's true mindset. No, definitely not. She is, uh, she is she's not nice. No, definitely different from the three houses version. Hundred percent. I prefer the three houses version for sure. We should be getting the announcement of the new mythic hero tonight or tomorrow, and I have a guess that it might be Thread. Yeah, Thread. We got well, we got three descendants of Thread here in this banner. Oh, so because Tyne and Arthur are both descendants of Thread, being siblings, and Ishtar through her father is a descendant of Thread. So. And it is possible. With, um, I think it was Uller who was uh, given out. They've shown that they're going, they're willing to use the, uh, you know, the Crusaders of Jugdral. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's certainly possible. We'll see. Uh, this show will probably be posted after that teaser, but uh, we'll definitely have that Mythic Hero to chat about next week. And continuing the discussion of Hilda and her horrendous, terrible... Oh, wait, wrong Hilda. Sorry. We're going on to the other Hilda now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're going to move into the Outround Gate where we've got a fun update on uh, Three Hopes, the new Fire Emblem Warriors game, where we are stepping into the shoes of Shez as they meet Edelgard, Dimitri, Claude, and other Fire Emblem Three Houses characters as you fight for the future of Fodlan. The house you choose will bring you through one of the three compelling stories, each with a different outcome, coming to Nintendo Switch June 24th, 2022, and that is in two months, which doesn't feel like a long time at all. That feels like next week to me. No, definitely not. Uh, it's nice that we finally got some more info. Yeah. Um, it's been, what, a month? It's been, what, two months since we got the teaser trailer, and now we're two months from the release, and we're finally getting some more. Yeah, we do get to see Hilda, Dimitri, and uh, what's his name? Creepy dude. Oh. Um, Robbie Damon. Uh, Hubert. Hubert. In action in the games. Uh, we see a bunch of other characters and side shots. Uh, we see, like, Lauren's wa- walking around. We see Mercedes sitting there eating with uh, Dimitri. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and we see a bit more of the mysterious, apparently, Arvel. Or larva, depending on which uh, translation you use or something. I'm not entirely sure how that works. Uh, who is the person inside Shez's head? You know, this trailer was really interesting because it uh, it not only showed us that you're... I can't remember if they, in the original teaser, did they show that Shez could be male or female? Or did they just show the male option? I think they just showed the one option, but, you know, they might have showed more. 
Yeah. So, well, in this, we do get the, you do see the choice being made between playing Shaz as male or female, but also the confirmation that at least presented in the trailer, Byleth is being shown off as the enemy, uh, the Ashen Demon. Which is and isn't accurate. It's, you know, they, uh, whether it was the actual trailer or some of the details coming around along with it, uh, Shaz encountered, um, uh, a solitary mercy who faced her alts mercenaries. Uh, so back before Byleth joined the officers academy, uh, they were defeated by Byleth as a mercenary. So when Byleth was using the nickname the Ashen Demon, so Shez views Byleth as a villain. Whether Byleth will actually be a villain or this is set in the same, you know, like all same world slash timeline as the other so this was just you know their view of byleth is twisted for lack of a better word we don't know yeah but and you will get to choose whether byleth is male or female which kind of strongly suggests whether even if it's post game you'll get to play as byleth at some point mm-hmm. but yeah i mean it it looks again like this still looks like a fire emblem warriors game and i feel like um it needs to be said, like, if you do not enjoy those games, but you really do enjoy Fire Emblem, I think the f- the Warriors games from Nintendo have come a long way, but you, you are still going to be, you know, controlling hero units, fighting thousands of enemies, and it can get a little repetitive. However, I'll say, like, these characters, I think the characters go a long way to make it worthwhile, as you're controlling some of your favorite characters in a completely different way. Yeah, it's still a Warriors game, and we did get a Famitsu article a couple uh, later, a little later on as well, with some more details uh, showing that um, you know while the trailer did confirm classes, it confirmed that uh, certain characters will have preferred classes, and some will have exclusive classes. Uh, when you level up classes, is how you unlock combat arts and spells, uh, which is pretty similar to how it worked. But it does seem each unit will have a unique list of those, so. Uh, you know, while Shez might learn, you know, a fire spell at a certain level as a mage, maybe Byleth, or not Byleth, but like um, Hilda will learn a lightning spell in its place or something di- completely different. Um, battalions and supports are also confirmed in the article, uh, also showing subquests, which clearing them will allow for more training sessions or something that seems similar to activity points from Three Houses. So. They brought a lot over from Three Houses. It'll be interesting to see, but yeah, it's still going to be a Warriors game, one versus thousands. Although I guess with battalions, you'll have groups with you, army, your small army versus thousands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with. I think it. I think a lot of like the battalion stuff that makes perfect sense to bring over. I, I think it'll fit really well with a Warriors game. Um, how do you feel about the fact that? Uh, I guess there was word going around that like the developers behind Three Houses have said like we'd never see Holst, which is Hilda's brother, and we appear to see Holst in this trailer. Uh, I mean, it not by name; it is just a dude who has pink hair, and he appears to be of a Holst type description. I so, do believe the Famitsu article confirmed it is Holst and Count Burgley's in that scene fighting each other. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I see that here. I, I can't remember where the, where I saw that article or that quote. Maybe I may, maybe my brain's just making it up. 
but uh, we we have not seen Holes before. I think like everything, things change as time goes on, and you know, Holst in the Three Houses game was meant to be, you know, just something to prove that the world does exist outside of what you're playing. Uh, but for whatever reason, they found a way that it makes sense for him to appear, maybe even be playable in this game. Who knows? Yeah. But one can hope. Uh, I think something you were talking to me pre-show about uh, Three Hopes was that. And you might have mentioned it, and I and I missed it, but uh, Monica looks to be playable as well. Yes. Uh, we see in the trailer, there's a scene that shows uh, Monica as playable in some maps, uh, which, if you recall, Monica was the girl who was kidnapped or killed and duplicate or, you know, uh, or impersonated by Kranya during the time Byleth was there. Which is why my suspicion, and we don't know, it could just be an alternate timeline. My suspicion is that the stuff with Shays happens a year before Violet shows up. And then you'll have a time jump to either after Violet came through or, um, you know, maybe even after everything else resolved. Although Edelgard would be dead at the time, so before the full five years go through, but after the first year or two. I could be completely wrong, but, you know. Also, it does appear that Monica bears the Crescent Muck Wheel, which is, I believe, one that we did not see in the original game, so. Oh. Or perhaps, I don't know, because the Three Houses No Human was shown having it. There's a Windcaller's Genesis tome she uses that they suspect might be tied to the Crescent Muck Wheel. Part of my suspicion is that, like, when Monica got kidnapped, either Shez got went chasing after her or was kidnapped at the same time and maybe they were both held in Shambhala during the year that Byleth was there and something in what Byleth did or what happened at the end of the pre-time skip time allowed them to break out or at some point they break out don't know for sure we'll see what happens it's all crazy speculation like I said it could be just a completely different uh, world you know alternate dimension where instead of dying like you were supposed to, you survived and completely changed what happened, you know? Yep, yep. We'll uh, we'll know in just a few short months as we will likely get one more trailer around the E3 time frame, but the game is out June 24th, so look forward to that. Might we even have... get more than one more trailer, but, you know, at least one more trailer probably. Yep. Well, let's move on. Uh, before we get to Game Club, though, we've got one last story here, uh, which is uh, more Three Houses. This is Three Houses Cross Super Groupies, five years later range of products. Moving from the tea set we discussed last episode, we have more Three Houses merch to go over, this time with a series of handbags that are inspired by characters from the War Arc. These characters are Lenhart, Bernadetta, Felix, Sylvain, Lysithia, Hilda, and Yuri. Pre-orders are open until May 16th and will be shipping around September 2022. And, uh, you know, I'll admit, like, I don't have, I think I have, like, a laptop case. I'm not a, I'm not a bag person. I don't have a lot of, I love a good, like, a good bag to, like, be able to carry stuff around, but I, I honestly don't have one. I kind of wish I, I did have, like, a nice, a nice bag to carry stuff around. I just have plenty of purses here for you to choose from. Yeah. I guess I gotta say, like, they do look nice. Plus a couple hip bags, bum bags, whatever you want to call them. Crossbody bags, as they call them in the game. 
or in, mm-hmm. in the ads. Um, really, for me, the only one, it's either the cross, the only one I would even consider are the crossbody bags or maybe Lysithia's shoulder bag, but all the others look too much purse-like for me. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I I think uh, you're right. Like I think Hilda's looks really cool. Hilda's looks cool, and I like the uh, Frykugel charm that it has. Yeah. Uh, Bernie's looks pretty cool. Her crossbody bag. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, I think Yuri's tote bag looks neat. I you know I'm I love a I love the color purple. To be honest, I think it it works really well with a lot of these products here. And but I gotta say Felix's tote bag i love the way they've incorporated sort of his um like they've used his like coat fringe as like an accent to the bag yeah which is really a really nice touch i think like if if you're looking at adapting these heroes into into handbag products like they did a really good job i'm kind of impressed to be honest these are really nice um but yeah anyways if you're interested you can check out the link in the show notes uh to the serene's forest post where you'll see all the images and such but uh definitely check that out i mean as uh val said in the discord it is always really interesting to see the different types of official merchandise for for video games and i think three houses or fire emblem specifically always has such a dynamic collection uh of of different merchandise so what will next week bring? I don't know. Maybe we'll be talking about um, the coffee I was hoping for. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. But we do now have the game club to slip into where we were continuing our journey through Final Moon Awakening. We have six chapters here, four main story chapters and two paralogues. We'll be starting with chapter six, named, titled Foreseer. While talking in the gardens, uh, well, and it's Crom and Robin who are talking in the gardens of the castle of Ulysse. Uh, Marth shows up, taking, talking about predicting the future and that Emran's life is in danger. To prove it, she saves Crom from an assassin, yet trips when an assassin uh, that they didn't know about it, um, know about uh, attacks, and she is revealed to be a woman as her magical mask is destroyed, growing her hair in the process. Uh, you rush inside to protect Emrin and meet Validar leading the attack and determined to kill Emrin uh, and get the Fire Emblem, though he finds Robin's appearance to be quite interesting, mar- remarking on it. After killing him, he is saved slash resurrected by Grima, and Marth tries to sneak off, only to get caught by Krom, who, after chatting with her, allows, to le- allows her to leave. So we get Lucina revealed, but not identified. And I, I joke earlier about, you know, magically growing her hair but i mean the way the model was designed with the mask on there's no way you could hide the amount of hair she had under what was shown yeah yeah uh that's a really good point i hadn't thought about that like her her hair just kind of magically Magically gets longer but yep maybe it's a magic mask we don't know i said it was a magic mask that magically grows her hair or Mm -hmm. reveals her hidden hair there you go it her hair technically existed in another dimension. It's like a, it's a, it's a mask that creates a pocket dimension that hides. I mean, yeah, Marth comments on being surprised you didn't fi- realize it sooner. But I mean, considering your hair was magically shorter, or you had a, I guess maybe you had a wig tied to the mask somehow <laughs> that we didn't see flying off that hid the hair. But maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, 
these are the questions that we aim to answer and not really get to any any uh oh any you have an answer cool what's the answer uh, no i yeah i don't have any <laughs> i don't have an answer for you um but you you mentioned that uh we we still don't know this is lucina she she kind of disappears like she didn't even come back during our conversation crom doesn't ask her name and you know during the conversation crom doesn't ask her name he trusts her she believes she's saved the you know future from happening and she disappears crom hopes to one day repay her so mm-hmm. yeah and we uh, recruited uh i like we recruited yes uh pan and gaius, gaius. both appear in this one gaius is a thief in in the enemy service and um Pan just pops up at start of chapter round two, I think, and Lucina vouches for her, and then she sticks around despite not wanting anything to do with us. Yeah, yeah. It that one seemed like we they they wanted to add like a Laguz type character to the game. I mean, I think they yeah. get into more detail of why she wants to stick around later on in the game, but her just kind of like I guess I'll. I guess I'll stay. Felt like a stretch at the time. I don't even says that. I came here to repay a debt and just stays around, I guess. She yeah. never, you know, I don't like you humans. And if the technical explanation, since there are the brands and stuff, that, you know, this is the same world as Tellius, centuries and centuries down the line or something, you know, Martha's you know, centuries past Tellius, then it would make sense that Lagoos might still, you know, Lagoos type people might still be around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, moving into the next chapter, Incursion, Chapter 7, while escorting the Exalt to safety, the Elysians are ambushed. During the battle, Cordelia will show up and join your team while warning you of incoming and reinforcements. At the end of the battle, Cordelia is pressed by Phila about the security of the border but she reports it has fallen, and it was her task to warn the shepherds about further Plegians marching towards them. Emerin gives Krom the fire emblem and returns to uh, Elistol to protect her people. Also, Samia punches Krom in the face, which I guess is a pretty is a pretty well used uh, gif. As I was trying to oh, find okay. like Krom uh, gifs for our fire emblem channel, that one pops up oh, okay. quite a bit. I played this a couple weeks ago, and I can't remember the whole punch in the face thing. Is it because he's just being stubborn, not wanting to leave or something? I can't remember. I think he's distraught. I shouldn't laugh. He's distraught that his sister has returned to Alistal to basically be, uh, I guess, the, the capital is being surrounded, and she's like, I have to be there if the people are, mm-hmm. are suffering. And he's kind of dumbfounded, and Sumia, uh, or Sumia, um goes to slap him like slap. oh you know it that my commander had always said that's the best way to snap people out of a stupor and and i think lissa says like yeah but usually you do it with an open palm not a closed fist you punched him in the face <laughs> yeah sounds like sumia so yeah exactly so it's a pretty um it, it was a pretty there wasn't a lot going on in the chapter it was basically just a you know introducing your second flying unit um yep. sort of a more narrow map but really it was just another like kill all the dudes to progress the story type situation yep uh next chapter is a strangled piece which is our third paralogue three 
The shepherds find a peaceful village and are shocked when a group of villagers from a different village nearby are turned away at the gates, despite being chased by Risen. Krom and crew run to rescue the villagers, and if Krom talks to the village, you get special dialogue, how they turn away everyone, friend or foe, to protect himself, which you can kind of tell. He doesn't say anything. It doesn't really sit well with him. If you manage to save the villagers during the battle and kill, while killing the Risen, uh, which is quite tough because they are quite suicidal villagers running straight at the people trying to kill them, you get a seraph robe plus a log for saving two of them and a ladle for all three. Uh, the log and ladle might be switched around, but... Yeah, I restarted upon realizing what a death wish the villagers had because I wanted to save all of them and realized I only had to save one for anything of value <laughs> when I was researching the entire chapter. Yeah, I, I'll i say this. I was unable to save any of the villagers, and I think the worst part about that, not necessarily not getting the rewards, but the dialogue is just so disheartening of, like, Krom just yeah. beating himself up for not being able to save these villagers. But... Uh, Man, they just run straight to the enemy. Like I said, those villagers are desperate to die. Yeah, it's insane. I was thinking to myself, like, okay, the issue I had is I kind of split my units, but slower un- there's a giant forest in the, the route that goes directly south. So a lot yeah. of those units got caught up there. And um, in order to have my unit swing from the east around the bend, it, it just took too long. So the villagers were too far ahead and kept running into uh, the Risen. So I... <laughs> they all died it was terrible um mm-hmm. but they did run like I, I wish the ai was like oh there's some allies let's go towards them no they just they kept running west and even if crom talks to them they just keep running straight towards the risen it's like you know it's not like stay with us we'll protect you or stay back we'll protect you you know it's just uh, uh you know he, he does tell them to run but you know they just run straight for the enemies not the yeah. areas you cleared or stuff like that and the enemies are all positioned in a way where they're always there. Like, they're running towards oh, them. Oh, yeah, no you, gotta, you gotta know the route, which is why I restarted. You, if you know the route, you can send people ahead to block the route they're gonna run. But, yeah, ah. they just keep running. Yeah, and before I sound like a monster, I was healing them as best I could with Lissa and some psychic uh, staves. So, I was doing my best. Physic, but yes. Oh, fi- did I, what did I say? Psychic? Psychic? Yeah. Yeah. Physic. Physics. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good stuff. Um, well, let's go into the next chapter. The Grim Leal, Chapter 8. Crom and Lissa learn their sister is to be put to death and launch a rescue mission. On the way, they battled the Grim Leal, the fell dragon's loyal followers. At the beginning of the battle, Nawi and Gregor appear. Nawi, a dragon in disguise, is attempting to escape the Grim Leal forces. While Gregor insists that he is trying to help, which he is, even if he uh, was a mercenary hired by the enemy, you gain control of Naui and Gregor right away, which are further south of the map. Being a sand map, you'll need to send your magic or flying units further ahead to clear a path to rescue Naui slash Gregor, although they managed just fine on their own for me. Um, I ended up pairing uh, Naui with Gregor to kind of like double them up. Um, okay. and they were able to hold their own until I could get a couple of units further south. But, uh, yeah, it was, I hate the sand maps. Uh, I think Shadows of Valencia had a like really bad one that I absolutely despise, but that one had the like Mila's turn wheel. Whereas here you don't get that. So if something happens, you have to <laughs> reset. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it is what it is. Like, it's the first introduction to the sand map mechanics in the game. And it's not too bad. Like, it's a pretty simple map. Um, the enemies aren't too difficult. And you're not at the stage where the enemies are uh, destroying the villages. They still leave them alone. You're able to get to them at your own pace. So it's not that big a deal. I mean, I think also it's like there are certain enemies that can attack villages. So if you manage to kill them off quickly enough, then the villagers are safe no matter how long you take. Uh, okay. So. Good to know. But yeah. Yeah, I think that's generally how these this game worked. I could be wrong. but I remember it was like the the bandits or uh, in yeah, earlier Final Games. Bandits or thieves or, merc- or uh, brigands or whatever they are, axe units. We then move on to Emrin, Chapter 9. We reach the capital of Plagia, where Gangrel is set to murder Emrin. After fighting our way in and successfully foiling his plans, uh, Versa summons a bunch of Risen, putting us in danger and killing Phila. Ph- or Phyla. Uh, Seeing where things are leading, Emrin steps off the cliff she was being held on to prevent Krom from turning over the Fire Emblem. Uh, in this map, you also get... Um, Libra appearing as a ally unit at the start of the map, and this is the introduction of Tharja. Uh, quite an interesting unit if you do manage to recruit her. Although she was kind of complicated to get to because, you know, um, I was afraid of Libra because he was doing pretty well on my map, and I got some people down there to help him, and he was, you know, bum-rushing towards the town. Uh, and I was afraid he would kill her, but I got Krom close enough that he suddenly detoured off and spoke to Krom for me. I didn't even have to use a turn to speak to him. Uh, he used up his. Yeah. Uh, then she tried to kill herself. Can't remember who she attacked, who Tharja attacked, but she managed to survive and was able to get Krom in to talk with her. Especially, it's interesting that you have to use Krom, especially considering her later obsession with Robin. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I had to restart because Libra moved too far ahead and, and then got killed. Um, so I couldn't recruit him, but, um, then similar to you, I, I, when I restarted, I beelined Krom further South and then Libra will actually like detour from what he's doing and come talk to Krom himself. Um, now like I, like you was also confused with Tharja cause I tried to move Robin in thinking like, oh, like Tharja is going to want to join because she's obsessed with Robin. I'll admit it makes sense because her obsession doesn't start until she spends time seeing him in battle. But yeah, yeah. But like it could also, yeah. I I mean you can see where the confusion comes, but I think I did end up looking it up to kind of see what it was, and it's like, oh, Crom has to talk to her. I guess I guess that makes sense. Like it's been Crom. I think with Awakening, they really tried to simplify the recruitments of like. Let's not have special cases where a certain person has to talk unless they like really spell it out. So far, it's just been Crom to talk to everybody. Unless I'm misremembering something. No, I believe that's correct. I think Crom has to speak to everyone to recruit them for the most part. And that's fine. But I feel like having options works better, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know? It doesn't have to be Krom every single time, but Krom is the one character that can speak to everyone and recruit everyone. So, like, this one, Tharja, you know, could have sensed something about Robin, and that could have been enough to allow Robin to speak to her. But Krom also could have spoken to her. Yeah. You know, like, multiple options. Yeah. To no, speak I, to. I think multiple options is, is a better approach. Um, 
because it, it did end up having me to basically, once I realized I couldn't talk to Tharja, because again, it's another sand map. It's it's harder for units to move around. I'd already like slowly crept my army around that corner there. Pretty sure Chrome doesn't get any kind of mage unit options, so. No, he doesn't. Yeah, I side-classed my Chrome into an archer. Oh, but neat. I'm pretty sure Lord has his crappy movement on sand as an archer does, so. Yeah. Um... But like that's the thing I ended up having. I just equipped uh, Robin with a sword so that Tharja and them wouldn't trade blows, um, and then that allowed Krom to basically get in there and, and have a quick chat with her before finishing up the map. But it was for both those characters. It was a pretty uh, a pretty close exchange. It almost it almost didn't happen. I was like, am I gonna have to restart again? Uh, yeah, but I didn't. I got it. Yes. And after beating this map, we unlocked another paralogue. Yeah, so we got our last chapter for the show here, Anna the Merchant, paralogue four. Once again, we come upon a merchant being attacked by bandits, and once again, this familiar character is showing these bandits what's what. This time around, though, when Krom speaks to Anna, she will join the shepherds. Upon completing the map, Krom will ask why Anna looks so familiar if she wasn't the merchant they saved earlier. Turns out she has a bunch of identical sisters. Because the shepherd saved her and another of her sisters, she agrees to join as an ally permanently. Yes, the start of the Anna, just Anna. Not much more to say about Anna. Yeah, She's one of the characters that has been throughout every game in the series, usually as a merchant, and now they're just saying that apparently every Anna born of an Anna looks like Anna. So, <laughs> And multiple sisters who so all look identical when... That's true. Before it was just, it was like the Sid to fi- uh, Final Fantasy, uh, you know, type scenario where there's always a Sid, right? It's always a Sid, but every Sid is different. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's true. But like, I think in this case, it could have been, there's always an Anna and she always looks similar and we won't even question it. But like now it's just like, nah, they're all the same. They're all related. They're all different Annas, but they're all related across across dimensions. And uh, they they do kind of lean into that. I, th- I think the across dimension things comes from um, either uh, Fey or maybe even as early as Fates, but I don't think cross dimensions happens here. Yeah, but it could. Well, she's in the she's the Outrealm Gate person as well, is she not? Because that's where I got that from. True, she is the Outrealm Gate person, so she, it might be across dimensions as well. Yeah, but so. it was a fun chapter. It was uh, she is she's a powerhouse. I highly doubt she you know re, you know maintains those powers once you get her into your crew now is she sorry i I didn't play much further past this um is she actually like part of your army like you can use her or is she just a special merchant nope she's part of your army she's a trickster uh which is a sword and healing class so she's just the one but the uh she's one of the weird ones in that the only um support she has is with robin so oh she doesn't yeah. have support with anyone else, but she's fair and playable. Right. And people complain in Three Houses that she had limited supports, but in this one, she literally only has one, so... I'm not sure she even has that one in Three Houses, so... I can't remember if she had any support at all in Three Houses, so... I thought she did, but now now I'm not too sure. Anyway, I mean, that's another game. Uh but like uh, it was a fun map. Anna's in our crew now, and we will continue to explore more Fire Emblem Awakening next week. 
We are aiming to play up to chapter 13, but as always, we will uh, we will be looking to um, uh, go further if if things work out, if timing works out, and of course we'll throw in a couple paralogs if, as they pop up. But uh, as Eddie will pro- probably note here, the paralogs are going to be a little different going forward. Yes, um, the this point forward, the majority of the paralogs are going to be based on marriages. So all the essentially they're the children units. Um, spoilers, but. Hopefully you know that by now, but uh, so they'll be optional. You can do them whenever. Well, if you're playing with us, you can do them whenever you want. We'll do them as we come across them whenever we want, uh, depending on who we end up getting married. Uh, As of right now, um, I do have Lissa and Robin married again because I'm me. Uh, But if you have any interest in suggesting who I should marry other people off to, uh, feel free to uh, let me know in Discord. I'm kind of open to it. Uh, If no one says anything, I'll make my own pairings as I go. But, I mean, the most important one, if you want to get your opinion in, is Krom, because he does have a hard out on marriage. I don't remember exactly what chapter that is, but at some point he is required to marry someone, depending on whoever has the highest support. If no one has already, you haven't given him enough support already, he will eventually marry someone, which, you know, Considering what we know about Lucina, it makes sense. He kind of does have to yeah. have his child at some point for her to come back and save him. That makes sense. Yeah, we don't want to create a paradox. Um, so yeah, look forward to that. Uh, definitely jump in the Discord and let us know. I'm, uh, I've am i not had anybody uh, get married yet, so still working on, on that in my game. But I think I'm close to my first few i i gotta check my supports but i haven't been doing extra battles i'm i'm a bit of a slacker i'm only doing the main the mainline chapters and paralogs that we're You're discussing not required to do extra battles i just you know get deep into them and play a bunch of extra battles yeah yeah you know, with the other game club that we're doing in uh tgi discord i've had something to distract myself so i haven't gotten too burnt out yet but <laughs> yeah well, uh, and you know what? Speaking of Game Club, uh, I should mention we still have plans after Awakening to look at a special discussions for Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. Uh, I'm sure that we'll take a break and discuss Three Hopes when it comes out as well. So plenty of stuff to look forward to in the coming months and for the rest of the year as well. So just uh, just a little reminder there. But that is going to do it for our episode this week. Uh, visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com slash Email the show, Faye at gamersinpodcast.com. You can check out the Fire Emblem channel and the Gamers In Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at R. Murphy, Eddie at Dralfear, and don't forget to follow at the Gamers In for show updates. Be sure to check out serenesforest.net, our go-to resource for Fire Emblem news and information. It's going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. Have a great week, and happy summoning. Mm-hmm.